Well, good morning to everyone. It's great to see you all here this morning. My name is Matt King, and just as that intro said, we are starting a new sermon series. It's just a two-part sermon series called Shipwrecked. And I'm going to try to answer some questions today. I may not answer all the questions that you may have that you've come in with. And so before I get started, let me say this, that we, we want to be able to try to address any question that you might have. It doesn't matter what it is. And so there's two ways you could do that. One, if you're a Twitter user, you can go to EPC for me, at EPC for me, and can, you can ask your question there. Or feel free to just email me, matt at eastpointchurch.org. Whichever way it works for you, works for us, we'd love to be able to answer those questions. So, today we're uh, going to be looking at Acts chapter 27. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Acts is written by a guy by the name of Luke. He also is the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. If you're not familiar with the Bible, uh, he, he, those are the only two that he's written. So, today we're going to go through that, and what we're going to be looking at is this story of how Luke is with Paul. If you're not familiar with who Paul is, he's one of the early church leaders, he's a pretty big deal. And they're traveling. This is what's going on. There's a little bit of the backstory to this. Paul has been assigned to the care of a man named Julius. Julius is a captain of the Imperial Regiment, which uh, meaning he works for Caesar. And so his job right now is to take Paul to Rome, where Paul is going to stand trial before Caesar himself, uh, because Paul apparently has been a bad guy. No, he's not been a bad guy. He's living his life out for Jesus. And it got him into some trouble, and so now he's got to go and stand trial before Caesar himself. But he's got to get there, and so Julius and all of his soldiers are in charge of taking him there. And this is what they've done. They have now taken control over a ship, peaceably, and now they're aboard this merchant ship, a private ship, and they're going to make their way toward Rome. But in this story, 276 people on board, they go through a shipwreck. It's an amazing, awesome drama, and, and tucked into the middle of this story are some really cool points. I want to mention just a few of them here today and, and, and talk about those with everybody. Two points would simply be this. Number one, okay? These people who are all on that ship, all 276 of them, this story shows how God was involved in each of their individual lives and this story shows how much he cared about them. He cared so much about them that he actually shipwrecked them. I know, sounds weird, but he did. So that's one thing I want everybody to hear today is that God is involved in your individual lives just like he was then. The second thing is this. The same thing that they did in order to avoid their shipwreck costing them their lives is the same thing that we need to do if the shipwrecks that we're going through, if we're going to make it through them without it costing us our lives, we've got to do the exact same thing that they did. And what's the thing that they did? They listened. They listened to God. So that's the story that I want to go through with you all today and talk about that. I'm going to look at this starting in, uh, in verse 7, I think, is the best place to start. But before I do that, I, I want... I want to talk about what I mean by shipwreck. Some of you might be thinking, man, uh, I've, I've had a shipwreck before in my life. I want, I want to explain what I mean. Shipwreck is that moment when tragedy strikes and you know it. And what you know is whatever life you were living up to that point, it's done. 
something new's coming and you're just not quite sure how you're going to navigate through it. You're not sure what to do. I want to say that again. Shipwreck, what I mean by that is when something happens, a tragedy strikes, in your life, it could be any number of things. And now you know, nothing's going to quite be the same. Not from this point on. This is what happened in, in Paul's story and Luke's story. I'm going to start in verse 7. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open it up to Acts 27. You have a Bible app, feel free to open that up and follow along. We will have the, uh, the scriptures up on the screen there if you would like to read along with me. Start in verse 7. Remember, this is Luke telling the story. This is what he says. We had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, we finally neared Canidus. But the wind was against us, so we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island past the Cape of Salmone. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lysiah. We had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall, and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Men, he said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix, further up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and a northwest exposure. I want to pause there for a second. The reason why I do is I want to, again, point out, not, not so much that I'm pointing it out, but Luke did. Luke thinks it's incredibly important to mention here that this Julius dude is, is listening to all these different voices. He's listened to Paul, and Paul's like, tell you, man, I don't got a good feeling about this. I'm thinking there's some shipwreck, going to be a whole bunch of problems. Maybe you better listen to him. Ah, let's see, I got the captain, I got the owner, all the crew. By the way, they're all sailors. Paul's a prisoner. Uh, what's he going to do? Luke mentions it's very important that he listened to the ship's captain and all these other guys. So let's continue on. Let's see why this is a big deal. Verse 13. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought, oh, they can make it. So they pulled up anchor, sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. Wow. I, 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 don't, I don't know if that means to you what that means to me if you're not a person who's ever been out on a boat in the middle of a storm. That's a scary moment. In fact, what Luke goes on to describe here in this story is that these guys did everything that they possibly could to fight the storm. After they let the wind just take it out to sea, they wrapped ropes around the whole of the front of the ship because it was getting hit so hard they hoped that the ropes might actually hold the wood together. After a bit, they got so scared that... that, that they were going too fast. What they decided to do was to throw out anchors outside the backside of the boat, let them drag on the ocean or the sea floor, so hopefully that would slow them down a little bit. And everything's rocking and going so crazy, they decided, hey, we need to get rid of some of the cargo. So they're throwing out cargo. They're even throwing out the gear for the ship that they need. They're so afraid of what's going on. Luke even says that these guys 
didn't know whether it was night or day for almost two weeks. They had no clue whether the sun was shining or whether or not the stars were out because it was all so dark and so terrible. He says that they, they literally lost all hope. They got to the point where they were starting to pray. Didn't say what they were praying to, but that's what people do in crisis. I, I, at least I do. I don't know about you guys, but my breaking point's actually a whole lot sooner than two weeks of being at sea, not seeing night and day and everything like that. In fact, my break point's about two ways of nausea, and I'm like, oh, God, stop it. I surrender. What do you want? I'll give up stuff. Just make it go away. I'm a wuss. I'm not proud of it. But I don't think I'm the only one who has a breaking point. I think all of us do. I think all of us get to a place at some point in time in our life where you're in that moment, and maybe it's your shipwreck, and you're like, man, I don't know if you're a real guy, but I could sure use some help. So you pray. That's what these guys did. It's tough. It's tough. We've all been to that breaking point. And I think that those breaking points are some of the most critical points. And the reason for it is simply this, is that seems to be the time when most people are ready to listen. I've figured that out. A lot of people are ready to listen when a lot of times they're not ready to listen to God, but crisis crystallizes our thinking and shipwrecks our crisis and these people are going through it and that's what they were experiencing. So here's what happens next, starting in verse 22. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. I just want to stop there and just say, this is one of those I told you so moments that all of us, you know, who were right, we'd like to be able to do, but we've been told that we're not supposed to. Paul did it. Just saying, right here. Man, you should have listened to me in the first place told you so, and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe, God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. That is a lot to take in. Try to imagine, just for a second, what it must have been like to be in that situation where you hear Paul saying these things, and I'm going to try to paraphrase it for you real quick. It's something along the lines of, all right, everybody, um, let me give you a little I told you so snack, (laughs) and and then, oh, by the way, yeah, everything's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. An angel came and talked to me last night, and everything's going to be cool. God wants me to make my next appointment, and... He's decided that all of you are going to be saved. So we're going to wreck the ship, though. Um, So, yeah. Let's wreck this place. Come on. Yeah, exactly. That kind of a response. People are like, what? They're, 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 They're not really liking this idea. In fact, based upon everything that Luke says here, they didn't like this idea at all. They're not embracing this whole thing. They're not listening and saying, Well, yeah, obviously shipwreck's the best idea. No, they want to avoid that, just like we do. We don't want it. So, they came up with a plan. Lots of tension on that boat. Some of the sailors, 
not exactly listening to Paul, decide, I am out of here. So they take a lifeboat, they move it to the front of the boat, and they're going to drop it off of the front and make their getaway. Paul sees all this happening, and so he says to the soldiers and to Julius, if those sailors leave on that lifeboat, you all will die. Now Julius is in a tough position, isn't he? So he orders that the ropes be cut to the lifeboat, and it drifts away. Imagine the tension now. I can think, and I don't think that this is spiritualizing it, but I can imagine that there were a lot of people who were on that ship that day thinking, what are you doing? If this guy is right, we are going to be shipwrecked, and then all of us are going to die, and you just cut off the only way for us to be able to escape. What is wrong with you? And I'm sure that there were a lot of people who were thinking, this is just silly. We've got an, an actual way to avoid all of this shipwreck stuff. What are you doing? But Julius, this time, listens. And his actions show who he listened to. He listened to Paul, and he ordered that those things, that the groats be cut, and the ship goes away. Here's what happens next. Acts 27, verse 39 when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer, Julius, wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held onto planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Now, here's why I love this story. I love it. There's all kinds of characters that are in the middle of the story. All kinds. You got the crew, you know, the sailors, and you got some soldiers, you got Julius who's leading the charge with these soldiers. You, you got Paul, okay, and you got Luke and some, probably some other people there. 276 total people on board. All kinds of characters. And I think that some of you can identify with either one of the three that I'm going to mention, or maybe all three. Some of you are caught up in the middle of a drama. You're caught up in the middle of a shipwreck and you really don't have any clue whether or not God is for real or not. And you're just like those people on that boat right now and you think that you've got a plan or a path or a way to be able to get out of this, but you're scared and you really don't know whether or not life is gonna change for you forever. You're going through a shipwreck and right now what you need to do is listen. And maybe that's the reason why you showed up in church today is because you're looking to try to listen for God somehow, some way. Some of you are Christians. You're going through the middle of a shipwreck right now, but you're not quite sure, you're not quite confident that God's really going to get you through the midst of this. You're not hearing him so well. And so you look a lot like the people who don't have faith and belief in God. Some of you, though, some of you are like Paul. You have been the voice in the midst of a chaos and crisis situation. You've been in that shipwreck with people and you're going through it, or you've gone through it, and you've been the voice of God, you've been the one to speak out, you've been the one to say, hey, God's in this. We're all gonna be all right. It's gonna be okay. 
but it's cost you. You've had to go through the gut-wrenching storm. You've had to be driven to your face. See, I love this story because it's got all these different characters that are in there, and they're all dealing with the same thing, going through the middle of a crisis situation and wondering, God, are you in this? Are you saying something? Because right now, I'm not exactly hearing from you. I've been in all three of those. And weirdly enough, I've actually been in a shipwreck kind of a situation, literally. And it's so cool, the story of what God did in my shipwreck and what God did in Paul's shipwreck that are the exact same things. So I want to tell you that story. Back before I was a pastor, um, I, uh, still, he's still a friend of mine to this day, but there was a friend of mine and his name was Dave. Dave is a great guy. At that time, Dave was struggling, just like many of us in his faith, struggling with how to go about living out his beliefs. And anyway, he wanted to go fishing and just talk, and, and Dave was a, a man of very few words. So anytime we got together, I kind of knew that I was going to have to be the one to carry the conversation and talk, which for me is okay because I like to talk. So Dave is borrowing a two-man pontoon boat from his boss, and we're going to go out and just hang, spend some guide time. We decided to go over to Twin Lakes over in Idaho. It's in April, mid-April, and so it's really cold. And We weren't expecting to catch a lot of fish. We just wanted to get some pre-spawn pike and you know, talk, hang time, guide time, you know, just having fun. It wasn't about catching fish. It was about being together. And I knew that this was a moment that God would have arranged, and it was a, a, finally an opportunity had come, and we were just going to go out for the afternoon and hang. So we arrived at the upper lake launch and we get into the, the, we get the boat off the trailer, get it into the water and I'm on the front of the boat and, and it's going to take us about five minutes to cross to the other side of the lake and get to the spot where we wanted to go. So the five minutes there, I'm putting my tackle on my three rods, getting my boxes situation, uh, situated on the front of the boat and, and Dave's at the back of the boat working the outboard and you know, steering us across. We get to our spot and he cuts the motor and we drift silently into the spot. I love that moment. Oh, you were just thinking about it right now. I'm just, get wiggly. I love it. I mean, seriously, when you, when you come into a place like that, one of the first things you see is just the beautiful scenery, the trees, it's quiet, the water's calm. I love that. I love the anticipation of that first strike. Don't you love that? I also love that thought of going one fish up on the guy in the boat with me, <laughs> trash talking him the whole time. So there's one. Oh, you don't have a fish yet. You wanna reel it in? I don't do that. But I love that moment, I do. I love everything about that moment. And this is one of those times where I was so in the moment, getting ready. And I was on about my third cast, and I haven't heard a peep from Dave yet until this. All of a sudden, I hear, uh, Matt. And I turn around and I look, and the back end of the boat is sinking fast. Literally, I could not believe my eyes, and there was no time to react. Dave instinctively grabs for the pull cord to start the motor. It's too late. It's going under. Literally, the front end of the boat is rising up out of the water, and I'm like, ah! So I toss my rod and jump in because I didn't want to get flung awkwardly and tossed into the water. This is winter runoff time, 
okay, April. The water is so cold that as soon as you hit it, literally you burn everywhere. You feel this, this on fire kind of feeling, and I sink down to the bottom. My feet hit the bottom. I push myself back up, and I get to the top of the water, and I'm looking around, and there's Dave, the man in a few words, looking at me with what we call the thousand-yard stare. That's it. And I look at the boat, and it's turned completely upside down. The, 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 the top or the bottom four inches of the pontoons are the only thing that's showing. And so with as few words as possible, we grab a hold of the boat, try to get a hold of it, and we start swimming toward the nearest point on shore with one arm. And we're just going at it and going at it. And finally got to a place where I'm like, I can't move. I just need to rest. And so I let go so I could sink to the bottom and get a little bit of rest and push back up. But as soon as I let go, my feet hit the ground. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Pull the boat with Dave's help. And we get up on the rocks and we, we, we get back down there and we sit down on the rocks. And we're just watching the water. We're not saying anything. All we're doing is just panting in this huge steam cloud around us, convulsing and shivering and stuff. And, and the enormity of it all is just starting to sink in. We're in trouble. I mean, it, we're, we're on the opposite side of the lake, uh, and I look over at Dave, who's still sporting the thousand-yard stare, and I know what he's thinking. He's thinking, holy shipwreck. <laughs> and he's just got this look, you know? I mean, wouldn't you? It's his boss's boat. It's turned upside down. It's sunk. We're dying of hypothermia at the moment. <laughs> I want you to hear me. In that moment, I knew, oh, my reaction to this is huge, and I'm scared. I'm scared. This is surreal, man. I've never been in a situation like this before, and now I'm supposed to be like, what? And in my head, and in my heart, in my soul, I knew right in that moment, God was speaking to me and saying, Matt, I arranged this. I arranged for you to be on this boat with Dave so that both of you could hear from me today. Just like I arranged for Paul to be on that boat so 276 people would hear from me that day. And I knew, man, I gotta, I gotta represent. So I put my hand over on Dave's shoulder and I looked at him. He looked at me and I smiled and I said, God's got this. It's gonna be cool. Literally, just at that moment, we both heard it at the same time. It was a motor on a boat, and a guy was coming our way as fast as he could. His name was Shane. He was early out at their lake house, and he was looking out the window at these two guys being goofballs out there, and he watched a sink, so he ran downstairs, got in his boat, fired it up, and came on over. We managed to get the pontoon over quite a bit of time, turned back over, and a rope connected to it and climbed up in the middle of his boat, and slowly, Shane trolled our half-sunken vessel all the way back across Twin Lakes. And the whole time we were in that boat, I'm like, dude, this is so cool. Man, the God sunk a pontoon boat. I, Dave, do you have any idea why he would do this? <laughs> That's it. That's all I got from Dave. So I'm like, Shane, dude, what's your story, man? I mean, did God think this just so that we could talk? What's going on? He's like, man, I have, 
I have, I have no idea, man. This, this is just weird. <laughs> it was so cool, though. I, I, I knew. I knew. I, I just knew. God did this. God what, uh, he, he put us in the middle of a shipwreck because he wanted to say something. He wanted to speak something. I didn't know what he was going to say. I just knew that he was in the middle of it. All of us did. All of us knew God was in the middle of it. But we got back to the, the launch. We got the boat drug up onto shore and cranked it up onto the, onto the trailer. And the whole time, driving back home to Dave's place to drop him off on the boat, we're just talking about, dude, this is just, this is just silly. It's just amazing what God is doing here. It's like, yeah, I, I don't get it. But I don't either, man. But God's, God's in this. Two days later, Dave gives me a call. He says, Matt, you're not going to believe this. That dude, Shane, he went back out that night with a spotlight to the exact spot where we went down. He rigged up an extension pole to a rake, and he grabbed everything that we lost off the bottom of that lake and he brought it back to me today. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah. All three of my rods, both of my tackle boxes were closed. All the equipment on the inside of it, nothing lost. He, he got everything down to sunglasses. He even got everything down to the last can of <clears throat> soda. It was so cool. Everything, everything that we thought had been lost had indeed been restored. And by the way, that little boat motor that went under, two weeks later started up, no problem. And that boat has never sunk since. Go figure. So why, why talk about all of that? Here's why. A lot of you are in the middle of a shipwreck right now. If you're not, you're probably going to be at some point in time. Are you willing to believe that God is leading you into it? That it's unavoidable? That the whole reason why he's doing it is because he wants you to listen to him. And then follow his lead. Would you be willing to believe that God would do that in your life? That he would allow for something crisis-like, something crazy-like to happen in your life? Just so that he might have the opportunity to go, yeah flex and be like, I'm God. See what I can do? I'm that good. Well, I do believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my soul. In fact, here's what I also believe. I believe that God has called certain people. Some of you, maybe. I know that he's called me as a pastor. I know that when, when God calls a pastor, oftentimes he will choose to speak through that man or through that woman in situations. And some, I'm not saying it's you, but some have had plenty of reasons to not listen to pastors. But you also have plenty of reasons to listen to pastors. Especially when they love you. Especially when they do hear from God. And especially when God has designed it so that pastor or that person is there going through that shipwreck with you so that they can be a voice for God in the midst of that situation, and many of you have been called to do that. Maybe you've been called to do that in your shipwreck situation right now. But maybe you're one of those people who doesn't believe, or you kind of want to, and you kind of do, but you just don't know how to really exercise faith in that moment. Now's a good time to listen to a pastor. Now's a good time to read the Word. Now's a good time to go to God in prayer. 
and listen for his voice in the midst of it because he will speak to you. And then follow. Follow his lead. Let me give you a practical way that you can do that. I just spent the last couple of minutes here talking to you guys about a challenge to listen. Next week, come back. Purpose yourself to come back next week right now and bring somebody. You know somebody is going through a shipwreck. Bring them back next week because Pastor Jeff is going to talk next week about some of the things that you can do in the midst of a shipwreck, just like some of the things that these people did then. And I want to challenge you to listen to the voice of God this week in the midst of your shipwreck and then come back. Come back again and bring somebody. And maybe, maybe God will use you to be a voice in the middle of their shipwreck. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, you, yeah, you amaze me. There's a lot of things that you do that amaze me, but one of the things that amazes me about you is like when you say that your thoughts are above our thoughts or when you say that your ways are not our ways. I, I'm blown away at some of the things that you do, the ways that you go, that you would shipwreck people on purpose just so that you could save them, just so that they would listen to you and find hope in you. That seems weird to me, God, but I, I've watched you do that with me. I've watched you do that with so many other people. You've built our faith through that. I suppose there's no other way to really build it other than to go through it, but the fact that you would do that, just, it's, it just is amazing to me. But I'm okay with it. And I'm praying that everybody else is here too. I pray that you would do what only you can do, Lord. I, there's nobody that could stand up on a platform and, and speak and have the hearts of men or women or children changed. You do that. And so I'm asking for you to do that now. Take whatever it is that I've offered in these words and, and make them land exactly the way in the hearts and the minds and the souls of the people that are here today or whoever's listening online so that they know that they are hearing from you and that they know what it is that you want them to do in the midst of a shipwreck. And maybe right now, you're listening to me, whoever you are. You're sitting in here, your eyes are closed, your head's bowed, and you're thinking, oh, man, if I only knew how to have a relationship with God. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'm going to make a simple prayer. And if you want to make it your own, you don't have to mouth the words. You can just think the words, change the words. I don't care. But if this is your heart encapsulated in my words, this is enough. And it's simply this. Jesus, without even knowing exactly who you are or what you are, I do believe that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you are what I need in my life. And so I invite you, whatever that looks like, whatever that is, I invite you into my life. Take it over, take control, lead the way, speak to me. I've boogered this up and I am tired. I feel like I'm clinging on to debris from a broken ship. I'm out at sea and I need help. If you can do this, I surrender. I give it up. And if that's you, maybe even right now, you are experiencing what the Bible promises will take place, and that is the Holy Spirit fills you and marks you and identifies you. For those of you who are listening to this prayer right now, and you're thinking your thoughts and you're wondering about, oh, what has God got me into? Don't. 
give up. Listen to God. Listen to Him. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to do something a little different. We're going to take our offering. And this is a song that during the offering time, it's new, but it fits in. And I want this song to be your prayer. The words will be up on the screen. If you want to sing along, sing along. But I want you to, more than singing, I want you to make these words your prayer. And then after that, I'll come back up and dismiss us. I want to pray and dismiss you. Before I do, I want to let you know of a few things that you could do again. Number one, make, it, make yourself a purpose right now to return next week and to listen. Throughout this week, to listen. After I'm done praying, if you want to take communion, we have communion available on both sides of the room. If you want to make your way forward as other people are making their way out so that you can be prayed with, we would love to, to pray with you. And if today you made that prayer your own, you decided, man, I want to enter into a relationship with Christ, grab one of these. There's some information inside of there. They're at each of the tables by the doors. And then come talk to me. I'd love to be able to talk with you. Let me pray for you guys one last time. God bless these people. As they move from here, I pray that every single step that they take, that you would bless them and help them to know that you're right there with them. Mark the path clearly for them, Lord. Help them to be able to see that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Hope to see you next week.